And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. This is the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. On to Waveland, which, by the way, I don't know if you guys had the same reaction I did, but in this uh, just concluded Rockies series, uh, which included a pivotal <laughs> three-run home run by Patrick Wisdom, uh, massive blast out to left field. Uh, in the call, it was it was like, oh, that one's out on to Waveland. And I was like, that's right. <laughs> That's the that name. Is, that's they the, the name. I got some tweets. That's the I show. got some tweets about it. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, that the what is the sign out there now? It's not Nuveen anymore, is it? Uh, no, it the is. The one left. I don't know the name. I, I can picture it, but I can't remember the name of the company. There's like four. Like, Cubs aren't hitting enough home runs to left. Uh, oh, what the hell? Yeah. Well, in any case, that has made it, a, and, the, and the Bleacher expansion has made it a little, you know, used to be like what one out of every three homers to left field was onto waveland back in the day in sammy's day sure i feel like it was i feel like it wasn't as big a deal to hit it out onto the street and now it seems like it's considerably more rare i think you're right yeah there's yeah i mean they expanded how many feet out right yeah that's true and it doesn't it wouldn't have to be much they have to make room for the plaque 10 feet (laughs) (laughs) he had to get it in there he had to just that's gonna be an easter egg in the next like 30 episodes uh we'll be we'll be talking about like you know teeth issues and and, and Sahadev will be or or mooney i don't want to cut you out they'll slide in and they'll be like and speaking of plaque uh yeah so uh, it's uh, that uh, the actual contents of the plaque did circulate this week, by the way. I assume you guys you guys probably saw it at the ball. Where is it located, actually? I like, haven't taken it, the time uh, to go. I haven't. I honestly haven't okay. gone to look. Oh, you mean it's not 500 <laughs> feet large and you can't miss it? Surely it is from how everybody was discussing it. I thought it was like replacing the old scoreboard. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I saw the pictures. I read the the content of it, and a lot yes, of words, a lot of be, words. It's a lot. Of, it is very long, and it is very charitable uh, to the stewards of Wrigley Field and the saviors of it. I will agree, it is a little much, but it's a little plaque. Who cares? <laughs> God, God, yeah. uh, so this is plaque talk here at the Athletic. Um, all right, so speaking of that Cubs-Rockies series, uh, the Cubs won the series. They can't pull off a sweep. Even the Rockies on the road, who uh, I saw they flashed on the marquee broadcast, that the 
Rocky's difference in winning percentage between home and road this year is not just the biggest difference in baseball history. Uh, it is the biggest by like a hundred points. Now that's a hundred points of difference between home winning percentage and road winning percentage. And there's is a hundred points bigger than the next biggest difference in history. I mean, they are so far beyond the pale of, of difference between road and home that like, it is actually a little shocking that even this Cubs team could not pull off the sweep. That's how bad the Rockies are on the road. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't want to get into Rockies analysis too deep, but I don't know what, like, what, like, how do you build a team there? Like, that's got to be one of the most frustrating operations. Like, I know they, they've had some pretty poor front offices, especially the most recent one, but uh, this is, that that's really jarring to think about. And just, I, I don't know how you make it. There's the mental aspect and, and just the reality of the, you know, the physical aspect of playing it at, at in Denver, that's that's got to be crazy. To I'm sure people have ideas, and hopefully they get a nice, smart president or GM to to take care of that because that that's got to be an interesting project to try and win in Colorado. It's hard to believe it was only three years ago when they played that crazy wild card game at, at Wrigley Field, and I went back to watch some of the clip from that 13th inning just to like remember what Wrigley Field is like when the Cubs are good and. Uh, this is just a totally random aside, but I guess that's kind of what we're here for. I thought it was funny that on the ESPN broadcast, Trevor Story leads off with a two-out single, and <laughs> Jess Mendoza calls that a win for the Cubs because Story's the most potent uh, hitter in that lineup, you know, which is true. And then A-Rod points out how KB was playing a no-doubles defense, so no harm, no foul. <laughs> but story gets on base and then it's like two more hits and the Cubs not only season is over, but it's like this avalanche of pressure on Joe Madden. Theo declares the offense is broke. The window is over. It was just like an amazing, like if you could time capsule that right before story gets that and you hear no harm, no foul. That's a win <laughs> for the Cubs. Then just everything collapses on the franchise. Thanks YouTube. So, <laughs> So it is. It's Trevor Story and Jess Mendoza and Alex Rodriguez's fault. <laughs> now we've we've pinpointed it. Uh, it was funny when the Cubs signed Tony Walters as one of the forty-seven backup catchers this year. Of course, he got the hit that won that game. And um, there was, I was surprised that there wasn't more hostility. You know, like I had hate in my heart for Tony Walters uh, because even as that game played out and the Cubs lost, and that hit happened. I swear to you, this isn't just hindsight. I did have that feeling of like, shit, that was it, wasn't it? Like that's, and we did. We went into that offseason, and we knew th things were changing, and that it, it wasn't for the better. And indeed, that that 2019 season was just such an ugly slog, and then a terrible ending, and 2020 doesn't even count. And even if it did count, it ended with those ridiculous losses to the Marlins <laughs> and the fake playoffs. And then 2021 has happened, and of course, we know what it is. So, I mean, again, like, I appreciate what you tried to do for the Cubs this year, Tony, but <laughs> Tony Walters, I will always think of you as, like, the guy who killed these Cubs. Um, 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, uh, what the, uh, the, the, the 10 inning game last night, which was, uh, was it 10? Yeah, it was 10, 10 innings painful uh, from the seven inning game. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to, yeah, I wanted to touch on. So, uh, probably not quite as thrilling as the 13 inning affair in the wild card game, but it was sort of like, it did get to a point, at least for me, where it was sort of a ridiculous, humorous thing to be yeah. following, particularly like. So I know, because it's my job to know, a lot of Cubs fans are not currently paying super close attention to games. <laughs> you know, they'll see highlights when there are highlights to see. And what was very funny was to see Ian Happ's game tying three-run homer get circulated as a highlight. And if you watch it, there's no fans in the stands. It looks like a 2020 video. Uh, and it's because they had been moved out from the rain and the lightning. But what I see is uh, everybody passing it around who isn't like watching the games anymore. And they're like, oh man, I knew attendance was bad, but I didn't know there was nobody at the games. And I just didn't even have the heart to correct. Usually I'm such a, like a well actually person when it comes to stuff like that. I didn't have the heart. I was just sort of like, okay, whatever, have your fun with that. And, uh, and then what you watch the later clips and suddenly there's a bunch of people there and it's what they came in off the street. They just, they were like, oh, it's extra innings. I'm going to slide into that ballpark. Anyway, that that's my take on the ridiculous game. I mean, I, I will say that I was in a good mood yesterday. Start like a, a good mood for going into a doubleheader that I knew I had to. I was going to be at both games since since they uh, cruelly uh, started Justin Steele in the second game. Uh, I I, <laughs> I couldn't just bounce after the first game like the last time Justin Steele uh, pitched in a doubleheader. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was it, I, I agree with you that the fan stuff was kind of funny after the in-hap home run. And it all just kind of all of it kind of became like comedic to me. I was just like, really, this is happening like Ian Hap's going to now he's going to start hitting home runs again. And uh, apparently it was a home run. In no other ballpark other than Wrigley Field, according to uh, some tweet I saw that that kind of like shows how uh, <laughs> shows like what whether it's a, a homer in how many ballparks. Right. Uh, which which just is like it's another data point for like, oh, Ian Happ's getting hot. Uh, except if that was on the road, that would have been a fl harmless fly out to what it would have ended the game. Uh, it was that I don't even remember when it, when he hit it. Uh, there was one out at okay. the time. So it would have, probably. yeah, it would have been close to ending the game. So, I mean, uh, we all, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll write an Ian Hap story soon enough. 
uh, but we're all going to write the, is Ian Happ getting hot? Is Ian Happ getting, is, is Ian Happ back here? And maybe, maybe this is just the luck bouncing back his way after that first month where he couldn't get any luck. I don't know. Uh, but, but this is, I, I don't want to read too much into an Ian Happ two weeks hot streak here. Well, Brett, you teed this up before we started recording. What do you, what do you want to do with the Cubs outfield? What, what do you need to see here over the last two weeks? Besides needing to see people in the stands again and lecturing fans on social media about attendance policies, what do you want to see in the outfield next year? Yeah, well, we yeah, I wanted to take an opportunity to to talk about the group that's here, the group that could be here, the sort of I just feel like the infield discussion, particularly because Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant were traded away, um, that's become that's been a little easier to dig into and maybe more interesting for people. And then you've got, like we talked about in the last episode, a really compelling infield free agent class. And I feel like we aren't talking much about the outfield, both what's going on now in it and what the Cubs are going to do next year. And um I just thought it was interesting against the backdrop of, like Sahadev referenced, a lot of people starting to talk about Ian Happ again because, you know, conceitedly, he's had a blistering hot 10 days. I mean, the results have been overwhelming. And you can do that thing where you extend it back like 20 days and create, uh, and the numbers are still pretty good going back 20 days, but like the, the 10 the ten that you're adding on their own are sort of not that great. Um, but he is elevating the ball more. Um, he, you know, when he was struggling this year, it was ground ball rate was nearly 60% or something crazy like that. Um, and that's from a guy who is like a, a launch angle guy. Like it's it just, it, you could tell he was just not connecting with the ball well at all. And this period of time where he's succeeding, we can make comments about the lack of pressure now or whatever. I don't really want to get into that stuff, but it made me curious, like, we had gotten to a point where, you know, three, four weeks ago, teeing up a discussion like, is Ian Happ potentially becoming a non-tender candidate? Was not a crazy, that wasn't a crazy thing to like wonder about. Um, it wasn't definitive at that point because of course there was still two season, two months of the season left and he's had success before. And that just got me wondering, like, is he doing enough now? And if he continues to play reasonably well the rest of the year, does that become a silly conversation and you sort of get back into a mode where it's like, oh yeah, one of one of the outfield spots locked down. It'll be in hap somewhere in one of those spots. And um that was again, that was sort of the predicate for this conversation. But boy, I got I got lots of thoughts on Jason Hayward as well, on Rafael Ortega and the free agent class and the Cubs prospect pool. I got a lot of thoughts on the outfield that we can sprinkle in <laughs> without. But I, I did want to start on Ian Hap in terms of like, is there anything is there anything he can do from here that changes the way the Cubs will think about what his role is or presence on the team for next year? Yeah, I mean, I think that's dangerous in general, right? For the Cubs to take too much away from anything from the final these final two months. Like it's it's a time for evaluation, but I, I think it it's more than just pure results that you're evaluating, I think. Uh, I mean, I guess that's always the case, but especially now, it's really like you really have to dig into 
Uh, I mean, and they'll know, right? What types of changes has Ian Happ made? What What has he been working on? What did click? Did something change mechanically? Did Did he is he working on something that finally felt right? They They have all that information, right? This isn't like. Uh, uh, free agency where where you're trying to you know find figure these things out they they should know all this stuff and have as they have the most information on Ian Happ of any of the 30 teams right that should be the case so yeah I think that they I do think he can do enough this month to make that a a non-factor the a non-tender like not something that is really considered I do think he can do something over these next five weeks uh I, I just don't want to get carried away with anything. Uh, but I also, I think the reality is of what this team is going to be, what their winter is likely going to be, how many holes they have to fill. If he does well enough in September, yeah, you, maybe you just have to kind of go into next season and say, like, give him a spot and give him another shot. Unless they just feel like it's time to move on. Like, they, you know, maybe that wasn't the case with Schwarber as much. That was more of a money thing, I think. Uh, but sometimes you just have to say, like, I, I don't know what his ARB number is. I, I think it would be around five or six million. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. Will they look at it as, can we spend that five million dollars better elsewhere? I think with the number of holes you have, that's that's a risky bet just because you, there's a lot of free agents that they're going to have to sign. There's a lot of holes that they're going to have to fill. There's a lot of players that they're going to have to convince to come play for the Cubs uh, in a year that probably won't look like one of those not obvious 90-plus win teams. Uh but there's also plenty of playing time and there's also plenty of, of roster spots to 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 make. So, yeah, I, I think Hap, you can look at him as someone that has a chance to pencil in a spot for next year. I, I think the rest of those guys, when you talk about Ortega, when you talk about Award, yeah, th- those are decisions you're going to have to make. Ortega is a perfectly fine fourth or fifth outfielder. You know, like I really like the way he plays. He may he doesn't strike out a lot. He he's he can handle center field he's a veteran he clearly works his butt off to get to where he he needs to be uh i'm curious you know craig dykeman i don't think is tearing up triple a right now but i'd like to see what he can do as well uh at some point you know the triple a season ends right it, or maybe it got extended longer it did get extended longer but i don't know how deep into the season it is yeah it only ends about a week week before the big league season okay now. well either way like let's see i mean dykeman is going to be a part of the discussion right like he's he's a major he's basically like ready for the ready you know quote unquote for the major leagues so they got to see what what they have with him but he's just going to be one of those guys in a competition right there's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what they do over the winter but yeah hap i think hap is the one that you have to say like is this a guy that can do something over the final few weeks to say like okay we have one spot filled I think Hap's on the bubble no matter what. I, mean, I don't think maybe he can improve his standing and maybe it's a tougher decision, but I'm looking at, you know, Adam Duvall last year was a free agent. That guy signed for $5 million. It was structured in a different way over two years with a buyout. Dude's got 27 homers and 86 RBIs. Like, I, I don't see how – and he has a pretty long track record of production at the big leagues. Not saying this guy's, like, going to – fix a broken offense or is like a number one priority, but there are lots of different ways to spend money here. And and I think the outfield is one of those areas where 
they're probably going to cut corners, particularly given the options at shortstop. There could be uh, a Wilson Contreras extension, you know, coming this off season. Or if they don't, they're going to have to really scramble to fill perhaps their most important position. And there's like, outside of Kyle Hendricks, I don't see anyone on this pitching staff who's like locked in for next year. Maybe Cody Hoyer. I mean, other than that, it's Kyle Hendricks and a like what 11, 12, 13 question marks on your pitching staff. So to me, if I have $5 million, is that like five interesting relievers? Is that another starting pit? I don't really know what the market's going to bear. And I think that's going to probably work against Hap in this case. Maybe they try and press him to do one of those like pre-tender type deals. I think there are certain safeguards in place to where a player's salary can't be cut too much. And he's a union rep, so he's not going to like be all into uh, making that many sacrifices. I mean, I like Ian Happ maybe on like a prove-it deal, uh, you know, for shorter dollars. You're not guaranteeing him 500 plate appearances next year, maybe in that case. But I just think they're – we've seen these last couple of off-seasons, how many interesting guys – whether it's a Jock Peterson, a Duval, they just kind of linger out there. The guys that aren't like that don't play premium defensive positions that aren't top of the market talents. Oh, some interesting players could follow their Cubs away. And that's why I think they can't really be locked into Ian Hap, whether or not he gets hot the rest of the way. I think that's all fair. I think um, what's, what's tough for me is less whatever he does over the next five weeks. It's what he had done the four years before this. And I think that what you might run into if, if, and this, this is why you, you weren't setting up this comparison. You know, if, if, if for those who try to set up like a Kyle Schwarber parallel, one major difference that I would point out, not just the dollar difference, Schwarber was in line to make like 10 million. Um, but he was going to be a free agent after one more year. That was it. That was sort of the final year on him. Hap has two more years if the Cubs want it. And so like that is a bit of a value add to have that extra control that on the chance that this year proves to have been a fluke and he gets that time next year, he's he'll turn 27. It's not like he's ancient or anything. And, you know, it takes a step forward. Okay, well, then you got that extra year. So I, I feel like in free agency, for example, if he got a one-year deal, there would be a little bit of a premium on it because he does have that extra year before he can reach true free agency. Uh, but that all that said, uh, I agree with your guys' general sentiments. And I think he falls, this is, I guess, I guess this is going to become a theme that he falls into that group of guys that I think if you retain him, sure, you can think about him as he's a guy on the team. But you can't think about him as like, he's going to be our this guy. So we can't do anything else that might interfere with him being this guy. Um, He's just around. And when we talk about, if we shift this a bit to the other outfield options, uh, of which Sadiv went through primarily them, although Michael Hermosillo perhaps going to be in that conversation as well, where he falls and Rafael Ortega and Jason Hayward, for me, the consideration is less about like, are they going to be starter X, you know, in the outfield next year? Because I think pretty clearly the answer is no. no. There's nothing that can happen between now and the end of the season that should make that decision. Um, instead, the question for me with those guys has always been, do they do enough to show me, yeah, going to hang on to you on the 40-man roster all offseason? Because I know this gets a little too into the weeds for some folks, but here's the reality. The Cubs, by virtue of a lot of the trades they made, 
which brought in some prospects that were already on the 40-man roster, but who are very far away from the big leagues. That's part of how they were able to get some additional talent. Uh, And the extreme depth that they've built up, they have a really sizable list of prospects that are potential Rule 5 picks. And what you're going to see is uh, the potential that they've got to protect a shitload of players in November. And it's going to make those decisions about those fringy guys a lot harder just in terms of keeping them on the 40-man roster. And so, like, I think, you know, Ortega is a perfect example. I don't think anyone would disagree. He looks now to be, yeah, good fourth, fifth outfielder. I'd like him on my roster. And I think a lot of teams would feel that way. The question is, do you think you can get him or a guy like him late in free agency, maybe even on a minor league deal at that point, um, or at least just sort of you're punting the decision until later in the offseason when you already know you've got your 40-man situation sorted out, you know where there's a spot. We've seen the Cubs do this before with some of their relievers that, you know, I've sort of picked this up the last few years. It took me a while to sort of come to this realization, but every year, end of the season, we would see the Cubs part with like a interesting controlled reliever. Um, we're sort of like, why didn't they just keep him? He's not going to cost that much in arbitration. Just keep him. And it's, it was, they were trying to see if they could open up a 40 minute spot and then bring that guy back later. We saw it with Tapera last year. They did it with Winkler for a brief period of time. Like it's a strategy. And so I I do think that that's going to be now Jason Hayward, totally different story. I think once you separate that relationship, it's probably over. Um, but to me, it's all about the 40-man spots for those Yeah, guys. it's going to be complicated, I think. You're right. I I, I saw you uh, – I'm not sure if that was you or, or someone else on, on Bleacher Nation that wrote that uh, post about the 40-man stuff. Uh, I, I didn't have time to read every single player, but I, I skimmed it and saw that there there's quite a few decisions that they have to make and names that – you know, that that seemed like, oh, you may not want to lose that guy or that guy's getting interesting, especially some of these random dudes like uh, the Nelson Velasquez's of the world who are suddenly like raking. And it's like, wait a second, blowing up. This guy's old enough that some team that some terrible team would just keep him on their roster all season just to see if, if this is real. So you don't want to lose a guy like that that could be a contributor uh, down the road for a winning team when he's still in his early 20s at this point. Uh, yeah, that's, that's going to, that's, I think you're right. I think that's probably the biggest thing that, that we have to, uh, keep an eye on. Uh, and I, I, when you bring that up, it basically, what that tells me is someone like Ortega is not going to be on the 40 man rock. Like they're going to have to make a move with him. They're going to have to make like, listen, I like the Michael Hermosillo story and I want to believe that this guy's figured something out. He's striking out like 60% of the time right now. It's only like, what, 15 at bats, but he's he's striking out a lot. And 15 sporadic Uh, bats, no chance to get his feet (laughs) under him. I know you're you're on the Michael Hermosillo trade. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. I'm pretty toot toot all aboard that if he would just get I, the opportunity. I would tell you but. David Ross's reasoning on that. I don't think it's going to ease anyone's <laughs> anger about that uh, because it's basically like I need to get Ian Happ right. And uh, there was something. Listen, so I asked him within my mind, it was supposed to be like, uh, we're done with our pregame session. And this is one of those just be honest with us with our mics off and everybody else kept their mic on. Uh, so this was on the record, and I think some people wrote it. Uh, but I, I was thinking, like, give me a more. <laughs> that's a funny. 
it, it counts as sorry. You've got to whisper it to me because it counts as off the record for you. <laughs> yeah, you right. Record, so uh, uh, like it, when the manager gets up and starts to like, you know, like like okay, we're all good, and, and you just kind of like put your recorder to the side and say like, yeah, I was just wondering, and then like that's supposed to be an off the record thing. Like everybody else kept their recorders on. And so anyway, see, uh, he basically said something about Hayward too. I, like I said, I didn't record it. So I, I wanted to go back and listen, but it was like, like, is he really saying Hayward here? Is this really a reason to not play Michael Hermosillo? It's fine. Like that's, he's got to do what he needs to do to keep the clubhouse in order and to do like, he's got to, I, I think there's also an aspect of, I have to try and win still, uh, try and win and do my best and give these guys opportunities and play matchups and what I put people in their best positions to succeed. He's trying to, he's, he's doing multiple things at once here, trying to keep a clubhouse in order, trying to, uh, trying to look towards the future and not, uh, lose the integrity of the game. Right. He, he wants to win. I know, I know I joke about it on Twitter all the time, uh, about like Jed, Jed wants that high draft pick, but, uh, you know that's not how David Ross's brain works. Uh, it, it can't, and and I I like that about him, but I also get why you and you know, frankly, I would like to see what Michael Hermosillo has. I just like when it comes down to it, I think none of these, I think all these fringy guys are going to end up off the roster, off the forty man by the end of the season, like when when the time comes, right? I mean, who who are they keeping like out of these guys? It's like Patrick yeah, Wisdom, like, right? That's the well, guy the, that's the. Patrick Wisdom, maybe because he can play yeah, defense. He's like a really I mean, good defense. He I looks like a pretty his... damn good defensive third baseman, right? Yeah. I I think with Frank Schwindel, like I, I'm pretty close to buying the bat already because of the way because of the way he succeeds. He doesn't strike, doesn't out. strike out, and yet he's still he can't destroying hit anything the ball. but fastball. He's the one who kind of. Oh well, we'll have I to think dig I, in on like that, I, I I don't know why do they keep yeah, throwing fastballs? They just haven't adjusted yet. I. I I looked this up. I, I wrote like very brief like this. I didn't do like a deep dive analysis on these guys, but I I wrote like quick blurbs on a few, you know, uh, fringy position players. And he was one of them. And, and I looked at his numbers and it was I'm pretty sure he's hammering fastballs and not doing anything else with any other pitches. And at some point, I think that's that's going to catch up or, you know, maybe maybe he's a diamond in the rough. I, you know, I don't want to rule anything out. These guys are working their butts off and, and trying to make things happen. And they are performing. You know, that's the weird thing. Like some of these the, the offense is performing. Yeah. But I mean, how do you there's so many spots to put in that, that you need to add. How do you decide that Frank Schwindel deserves it? Is is Rivas on the 40 man? He's going to have to be right. Well, as here's the problem. This is that's what I was going to say. The problem for Schwindel is even if you think, okay, I think maybe the bat is untapped and it's legit. You've got Alfonso Rivas at Iowa ready to go. Looks looks like a guy who you really need to give big league bats to. He can really only play first base. They've they've experimented him in the yeah. corner outfield spots. I don't know that there's much there. And then you've also now got Jared Young, who people kind of forgot. But he was the Cubs minor league player of the year in a few 18, years ago. 18, right? And he just had and a terrible he wasn't 19. Healthy. 18. Not terrible 19. And there, were, there right. were health issues that year. Then the pandemic. And then he's back this year and he's healthy. And he just crushed his way up to AAA where he's continuing to crush. He's also kind of like a mostly yeah. first base guy. Both of them, rule five eligible. Both of them 
definite risks to be selected. I w- I'll never say anybody who's like a first baseman, I'll never say is a surefire going to get picked. But in an era where we think we're expanding all of baseball to the DH, you know, there's sure. a chance that teams will pluck those. And so you're left with, could you really roster three <laughs> first base-ish yeah. only well, bats? And uh, Young and Rivas are uh, lefties, I believe, right? So if you're if you want to go the Giants route, right, and and do like a platoon, and we should probably like there was a I need to read this article. Did you read the Fangraphs article about how they're platooning and it's not just like left right matchups? Someone was someone messaged me about it. I, I don't know how I even heard about it. Now that I think about it, like. Uh, Someone was talking about it and basically saying they're they're doing a really unique way of platooning. It's not just purely left right. It's this guy hits uh, pitches in this area of the plate, and that's what this pitcher does, and and different stuff like that. And I, I don't think that's groundbreaking, but to be able to pull it off so well is 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 something we haven't seen. Uh, because I, I mean, I know Madden. I, I know talking to hitting coaches and, and game planning coaches. Uh, they've, they've talked about stuff like that. Platoon isn't just left and right. It's this guy hits the high fastball and this is what this guy does. Well, okay, now we're talking about specific zones uh, of the plate and, and this guy hits this really well and this other guy hits this really well. We're going to platoon them and, and that works out well. I think they're doing it with like Darren Roof and someone else. And uh, and uh, I think that would be interesting. Can they pull that off with like a, a Revis and Young? Can they pull that off with Revis and Schwindel? I joked about it in my little Schwindel, uh, like a tidbit that I wrote. It's like I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not convincing myself that a Revis Schwindel <laughs> platoon is going to lead to a winning season. I, I can't do that to myself. I can't, I cannot, I cannot do that. Uh, but, but hey, here we are. <laughs> Schwivas, <laughs> trademark. Uh, all right, we'll leave it there. Um. Good, good talk. Good talk uh, there on the outfield. And, you know, it, it's inevitable that it bleeds into this other stuff, you know, that because the Cubs have so many potential vacancies and then so much work to do filling them while managing the 40 man with these prospects and fringe guys that it all becomes one conversation. So um, thank you, folks, for listening. This is On to Waveland, where Patrick Wisdom parks his dingers. And uh, I'm Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. And that is Saadif Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get their stuff at The Athletic. We'll be back at you next week. And uh, Cubs going to do a little uh, American League style baseball this weekend. White Sox and Twins. Uh, Potential Wilson Contreras return as a DH. So keep an eye out for that. And we will talk to you again soon. Take care, folks. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.